If you got your Bible with y'all today, go ahead and turn to uh, the book of Genesis, first chapter in the Bible. We'll be getting it started. Give me one second here. We'll begin to start looking at a man named Jacob. And we'll be in chapter 25 in just a second. Sorry about that. Having some technical difficulties. If I haven't got the chance to meet you, I go by Ant. I serve as a pastor here. Very glad that you chose to worship with us today. We're, we're early on in the year. This year, we'll be working our way through the different genres that we find in the Bible as we look to grow as students of God's Word, grow in our understanding of God's Word. And before we get into the character that we're looking at today, Jacob, I want to start by asking a few questions that I think might help us relate a bit with Jacob's story and what Jacob is dealing with and what Jacob is going through. The question I want to begin by asking you, I want you to think about the, just note the first thing that comes to your mind is somebody were to ask you, who are you? Who are you? What is your identity? What is it that makes you who you are? What are the true things about you that determine who you are more than other things in your life? The character in the Bible that we'll focus on today in Jacob, he struggles with this identity. He struggles with who he is, and we're going to look at three different occurrences, well, three main occurrences. We'll look at a handful of things, a lot of scripture to get into today, but we'll look at three main occurrences that happen in his life that, that shape the way he understands himself, that shape his relationship with himself, and, and the way that those things play out have a great impact on his, his life, his relationships with others, and the decisions that he tends to make. So again, we'll be looking at three different occurrences in Jacob's life as he wrestles with who he is. The first occurrence that we'll look into is his naming, Jacob's naming, when he receives his name. We'll start here in Genesis chapter 25, verses, I'll start at verse 24. It says, when her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak, so they called his name Esau. So this is referring to Rebekah, uh, who is Esau and Jacob's father. Uh, Esau was born, well, she had, Rebekah had twins. Esau uh, was born, and you get the description of Esau there in verse 25, verse 26. It says, afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. The term Jacob means a supplanter or someone who supplants someone else. A supplanter is one who takes the place or position of someone else through force or through scheming or strategy or the like. This is someone who gets to where they are, not by, not by their merits alone, not because they earned it, not because someone who was in this position of authority gave it to them based on what they saw in them, but rather they use some type of scheme or cunning or power or force, I should say, to get where they want it to get. The term Jacob, when it's not used as a, as a proper noun, is a term that's used to describe someone who cheats to get what they want or to get where they are trying to get. So they see him holding his brother's heel. Now, this, in, this, in this culture, as we talked about last week, the firstborn was the one that was given the blessing, that was given the, the birthright. So when he came out second as a twin holding his brother's heel, he received this label of being a cheater, of being a supplanter. Now, at that time, names were not just simply uh, given so that we can have a word to call you, but they, were, they served oftentimes as a label. 
And many times, if you're familiar with the Bible and you paid attention to what different people were named, people oftentimes lived into their name, lived into that label. What their name meant is oftentimes how they lived their lives. The label that they received had a huge impact on how they lived. There's a word in there somewhere for us. Let's continue verse 27. When the boys grew up, talking about Esau and Jacob, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in the tents. Isaac, that's the dad, loved Esau because he ate of his game, game referring to the meat that Esau would bring in after hunting, but Rebekah loved Jacob. We talked about this a bit last week. I won't spend too much time on it, but essentially Esau was a hunter. His dad preferred Isaac, the dad, preferred uh, Esau over Jacob. Jacob stayed in the tents, generally where the women were, and Rebekah, their mom, loved Jacob more. So after we see Jacob have this identity, this label of a cheater and a supplanter, we also see the beginning of some daddy issues. Jacob spent more time dwelling in the tents where the women usually spent time. Jacob's dad, Isaac, seemed to not be a fan of that. So from birth, he's labeled as a supplanter and a cheater, someone who, who cheats or schemes to get what he wants. And on top of that, his, bro- his father loved his brother more than he loved him. Jacob received a label that he likely felt meant he wasn't up to par or as worthwhile as others. Many of us also have received labels, maybe earlier in our lives, maybe later in our lives. Screw up, inconsiderate, not smart enough, not attractive enough, labels based on our body shape or size that made us feel not as worthwhile as others, weak, unattractive, bad attitude. If you have ever received any label that put you into a category that made you feel second class or less than, or maybe someone was trying to say you weren't as valid or worthwhile as others, you relate to Jacob. You relate to this story. And I'll go as far as to say you likely are going to relate to this search that we see Jacob on as we continue on through the different occurrences in his life. The second occurrence I want to focus on is Jacob's blessing. Jacob's blessing. We focused on this passage last week, but last week when we looked at it, we were looking at it from a perspective of Esau, the older brother, the one who lacked self-control and just gave away that blessing, that birthright for a meal. Today, as I read through it, I want you to think about it through the eyes, through the experience, through the life of Jacob, what it must have been like for him at this time. Verse 29. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell your birthright now. Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So we see Jacob taking advantage of his own brother in a moment of weakness, gets his brother to swear away his birthright to him. So at this point, he's gotten over on his brother. He's tricked his brother. He supplanted his brother, if you want to use that term. But there's more that is necessary in order for him to get the blessing and the birthright that he wanted. He didn't just need to get over on his brother. He needed to get over on his dad as well. Now, just to, to, to understand this, this birthright and this blessing, maybe here's a, perhaps this is a way to, to understand it and think about it. 
there, most of us, many of us have people in our lives that when we do certain things, maybe a big decision in our life, we would love to have their blessing on that decision. We would love to have their support, them saying, hey, I am with you, I affirm you. Well, what Jacob is after here and what this blessing is that comes from the father to the firstborn is not just a blessing of what you do. It's, it's I'm giving you my blessing of, for who you are. As my son, as the firstborn, as the one who's going to lead this family going forward after I'm gone, it's a blessing that is given for who you are. It speaks to your identity. Jacob is seeking this blessing, this affirmation. He would love to have this from his father, who he knows loved his older brother more. He wants this from his father. In Genesis 27, Isaac, the father, is near the point of death. His eyes are hardly working. He hasn't pronounced his blessing over Esau, yet his firstborn, who has the birthright to it, the same birthright that Esau had sworn away. So Isaac tells Esau to go and kill some good food, cook it for him so, they can, so he can eat of the meal as a part of this ceremony as he pronounces this blessing over Esau. Now, the whole time, Rebecca is eavesdropping on a conversation. And she loves Jacob more than she loves Esau. So then while Esau is out hunting and doing what he needs to do to prepare the meal, Rebecca goes to Jacob and says, go ahead and, or, and goes to Jacob, tells him to go ahead and bring her some of their goats so she can cook them for Isaac. She knows how Isaac likes his food to be cooked. She tells Jacob to bring the food to Isaac that she's going to prepare so that Isaac, the father, will pronounce this blessing over Jacob instead of Esau. So she schemes alongside her son. We'll pick up at verse 11. It says, but Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go bring them to me. I think this is important to understand from Jacob's perspective. Jacob is nervous about this. Jacob is uneasy about this. He has reservations about trying to trick his father, but his mother tells him, do what I say. Trust me and do what I say. Verse 14. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother. That's the goats. And his mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and then put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goat she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son, Jacob. She dresses him up, makes him look like Esau, gives him the food and says, go get your blessing from your father to deceive Isaac. Verse 18, so he went into his father and said, my father... And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat my game that your soul may bless me. Jacob is at the point, this is not just pretending. This is not just acting. He bold-faced lied to his father who is in his old age, cannot see clearly at this time. Verse 20, but Isaac said to, said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, because the Lord your God granted me success. He's not only lying to his dad, he's lying on God now. 
This man is trying to, he is such in search of this identity, this blessing, this validation. He's not just hiding. He's not just in disguise. He's not just lying to his dad. He is lying on God because he is so desperate for this blessing, this validation, this affirmation. Verse 21. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's Esau's hands. So he blessed him. So now Jacob is here hoping his dad doesn't find out, hoping Esau doesn't come in and see him hoping he isn't shown to be the fraud that he actually is. He's craving the blessing, these words of affirmation, the label as the blessed son that God is going to use to bless every family on the planet. Isaac still isn't sure, so he asked Jacob again. Verse 24, he said, are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him. And he ate it, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, see the smell of my, of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. So now picture this moment. Now picture it through Jacob's eyes, through Jacob's experience. Isaac asked Jacob to come closer to kiss him. This is a personal, close-up, face-to-face, intimate moment that he so desperately wants to, with his dad for himself, but he knows he's, he's, he's hiding himself, he's in disguise, he knows he's lying to himself, possibly, but definitely to his dad. And this is what his dad says, May God give you all the dew of heaven and of the fairness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. That's talking about a, a, a material blessing. Verse 29, let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's son bow down to you. Curse be everyone who curses you and bless be everyone who blesses you. This is about authority and victory and, and, even, and even power over others that he's pronouncing over him. So from his father, he gets the blessing that he was after. His father pronounces over him all these successes, all this authority he's going to have, how blessed he's going to be. And then he just leaves his father's presence, and here's what happens. Verse 30. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. Right after Jacob leaves, Esau comes in. You might be familiar with the story. Eventually, Esau finds out what happens, and he, he, he plans to kill his brother because he got the, the blessing, the birthright in his place. The ceremony of blessing that Jacob, who was labeled and identified as a trickster and as a supplanter from birth, ended up being just that. And make no mistake, part of the pronouncement of the blessing was, was telling and affirming of the firstborn about who they are and what their life will be like. Again, one of victory, authority, and prosperity. And here Jacob is hearing this blessing pronounced over him when he knew it wasn't truly meant for him. This was supposed to be a moment of great pride and joy and celebration and connection with his father, but instead it was a moment of hiding and deceit and Jacob becoming what he'd been labeled as his whole life. I wonder what it was like hiding in his brother's clothes. 
wearing the goat skin, knowing that the only way he'd get the identity and blessing that he wanted and the name, if you would, that he wanted was by getting over on someone else and then deceiving the one who he so desperately wanted that blessing from, his own dad. I wonder if he did it proudly or if he did it with his head down low in shame. I wonder if he kept looking over his shoulder to see if his brother, who was likely bigger and stronger than him, or if anyone else was behind him and about to discover that he was the cheater that he had always been labeled as. He'd worked so hard to get his father's blessing, and my sense is that even though he got it, he knows he didn't really get it. And that's because of what happens later on in the story. I think it's clear that he didn't get the validation that he was looking for. So I want to give a, a, a bit of an overview of the next few chapters here in the book of Genesis without taking time to work through all of them. Over the next few chapters, it seems clear to me that Jacob continues on this search for validation. We'll get into this one a little bit more next week, but he finds a woman that he, he is just completely infatuated with. He, this, this brother basically agrees to become a slave working for this woman's dad for 14 years to have her hand in marriage. 14 years. After that, he tricks his father-in-law into giving him an abundance of wealth. And because he tricked him again, back to his old tricks, he has to flee from the father-in-law just like he fleed from his brother Isaac after he tricked his brother Isaac, or at least tricked his dad after getting over on his brother Isaac. God then calls him back to his homeland where Esau is. So he's heading in that direction. He sends word to Esau that he's coming. He gets word back that Esau is coming to see him. And Esau's got 400 men with him. Jacob is afraid because he doesn't know what Esau is going to do. So he actually offers Esau a lot of his wealth. He says he sends word to Esau, hey, let Esau know I brought this gift for him to try to make amends. And at this point, he hasn't received word back. At this time, he hasn't received word back from Esau. This brother who's likely bigger than him, likely stronger than him, has 400 men with him. So now he's at this point where he, is, he has sent his family away. He's kind of alone, likely alone with his thoughts as he awaits this face-to-face -face encounter with his brother Esau, who he had gotten over on years and years ago. And that leads us, before we get to the third occurrence from Jacob's life, which will culminate much of what we've seen from his life so far, before we get to that, I want us to reflect a little bit on the ways that we're a bit like Jacob, because I think we have a lot in common with him. My guess is that many of us, like Jacob, were greatly, have been greatly affected by labels that have been put on us. Maybe we believed our labels, and then we lived those things out. We actually allowed what was said about us or thought about us to affect the way that we lived, and we lived into those labels. Maybe we tried so hard to get out from under our labels that we, like Jacob, compromise our morals to try to get out from under the label that, or that feeling of identity that had been placed on us. Maybe you're like Jacob and you thought, man, if I just had a relationship with that person, because that's what I actually believe that working 14 years for Rachel was all about. He saw the girl and I believe he felt maybe I would be validated if I was with her. Maybe if I had her on my arm or her by my side, maybe that would make me feel feel validated in the way that I desire to. Maybe I'll feel worthwhile. Maybe I'll feel like I'm somebody if I have her with me. So he worked 14 years in basically in bondage to get her. And then after he has her, he's still not satisfied. 
Because after he has her, now he says, what I want now is money. Obviously, this wasn't enough. I need money. I need wealth. So he tricked his father-in-law into getting a lot of his wealth. He gets the wealth. That's still not enough for him. Maybe for some of us, maybe you thought if you had this relationship with this person or that person or maybe that group of people, then maybe people will look at me differently and maybe I'd see myself differently. Maybe if I was successful and had a lot of money and a lot of wealth, then I'd really be somebody. Maybe people would look at me differently and I'd be able to look at myself differently. Maybe if I was good enough at my job, then I'd have the esteem of my coworkers so that, I, that I so desperately crave. Maybe if I just had more of fill in the blank with whatever it is for you, I'd be who I need to be to get the validation, the blessing that I feel I need. Maybe like Jacob, you've pretended to be something that you're not to get the affirmation that you're looking for. I remember as a child, the best way I know how to describe it was I was living a double life. And I'm, I'm talking elementary school. I remember, obviously, my dad being a pastor, somebody I heard from him a couple days ago. With my dad being a pastor, I, I felt this, this, this pressure. I felt this expectation for me to, to be the good Christian child. So anytime I was around my parents or people from the church, I lived a certain way. I tried to live into the expectations that they had for me. And then I'm at school, I'm around peers, I'm around friends, and I, I just try to live into the expectations that they have for me. However, they were talking, no matter what they were doing, that's what I wanted to do. So I was living this, this double life. There was this difficulty within me, and, and, and hear, hear what I'm saying. It's not like I was just reading the room and kind of trying to respond appropriately to what was going on in the room. It wasn't that. No, this was engaging in what we call image management where I care about how people see me, what people think about me, and I'm letting that dictate how I live my life. Behave one way around this group of people to get their approval, to be accepted by them, to try to fit in by them. Behave this way around another group of people to try to get them to accept me, validate me, receive a blessing, if you would, from them. I wish I could say that ended when I was a child. I remember when I first started preaching, and when I talk about, this is maybe to help explain what I mean when I say receiving a blessing from people. I remember when I first started preaching, I had this conflict within myself all the time. It, it made Mondays and Tuesdays were always very difficult for me. Because as I reflected on the sermon, I, I, my mind was always bombarded with the ideas of, did they like the sermon? Did I do a good enough job? Was I funny enough? Was I insightful enough? Was the sermon convicting enough? Do I do a good enough job explaining the gospel of Jesus Christ? How are people thinking about me now? So here's what's going on. Thus, instead of me focusing on being able to bless everyone who's with me, I'm trying to receive a blessing from those who hear. I'm trying to receive validation through, through the approval or the appreciation of those that I'm called to serve. I was looking to receive a blessing, receive a validation. I was doing it because I wanted to be validated by people that followed God instead of finding my validation in God himself. So now here we're here with Jacob after he spent the better part of two decades running and hiding and deceiving and seeking validation and blessing. And that leads us to the third phase of the third occurrence that we'll look at in Jacob's life today. This is Jacob's ultimate naming and blessing or Jacob's new naming and blessing, excuse me. Jacob's new naming 
and blessing. Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the break of the day. So there's this wrestling match between Jacob and some mysterious man who later in the Bible, one of the prophets refers to this man as an angel. And also here we see later at the end of this passage, Jacob refers, he says, I've seen God face to face. So there's this mysterious man that's referred to in a few different ways. And there's this wrestling match that started. It starts at night and it says that he was wrestling with him until the break of day, until the sun comes up. This is not a little, a little short wrestling match. Right, where I'm just trying to get over on you real quick. We just, you know, we're just mixing it up a little bit just with the guys. That's not what this is. Verse 25. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. So Jacob is wrestling this man, and eventually the man touches Jacob's hip. His, his sock is put out of joint, but Jacob continues to wrestle. I hope you're seeing there's a desperation here. There's a reason that Jacob is continuing to wrestle. This, this is deep. He's wrestling with this man for hours. His hip is out of joint. He is not letting go. Jacob is after something. He's seeking something. He is pursuing something. Just like when he worked 14 years to try to marry Rachel, he is, he's continuing to fight desperately for something. Verse 26. Then he said, let me go for the day is broken. So the man that is wrestling Jacob, this man is trying to get away from Jacob. He's not trying to harm Jacob. He is trying to get away, but Jacob keeps fighting because he's after something. The fight started at night. Now it's at daybreak. The sun is coming up. Jacob has to be exhausted at this point. He's got to be exhausted, but he's not letting go. He's so desperately, there's something he so desperately wants that even after suffering a dislocated hip, he just won't let go. And here in verse 26, he tells us what he so desperately seeks and is so desperately after all this time. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This man that sought and tricked and deceived and supplanted to try to get a blessing that actually wasn't what he was truly looking for because he knew it was fake is still after that blessing. He's still fighting for it. He's still looking for the validation. He's still trying to receive this level of identity at this point. And he's fighting all night trying to get He's willing to do whatever he can do. He risked his life with Jacob, I mean with Esau, Earlier, trying to get it, he had to end up running away from his father-in-law because he was scared what his father-in-law was going to do to him because he's trying to get it. And now he's wrestling this man with a dislocated hip, refusing to stop because he says, I will not let go unless you bless me. And none of those things had worked. None of those previous things were enough. None of it was the blessing he truly desired. And now he's here still in search of the same thing. And this, this angel, this messenger from God, speaks on God's behalf and says this, verse 27. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. So God is asking Jacob, what is your name? What do people call you? And he says, Jacob. You could also say he said, surplanter. He said, cheater. That's what I'm labeled as. That's what people call me. Verse 28, then he said, your name shall no longer be supplanter. Your name shall no longer be cheater. He said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. God gives Jacob a new name. God says, after your encounter with me, you have a new name now. You have a new identity now. You're going to be known differently now. You're a different person now. You're not the same supplanter and cheater that you used to be. That's not who you are anymore. It's what he says. This term, Israel, which his name is changed to, 
It's, it's a word that's not super easy to define. It's a combination of a word that means to, pers to persist or to prevail or to persevere and a word that is used to, to refer to God or some type of divine being. And he's given this name because he's wrestled with God and men and has prevailed. Verse 29. Then Jacob asked him, tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. I hope you notice the full circle moment that we just experienced. One of the first occurrences, or the first occurrence that I talked about was Jacob's naming, where he received a name that likely made him feel like he was less than, like he was inferior to other people. And so now in this encounter with God, he gets a new name. The second occurrence was this blessing that wasn't actually valid because he had to hide and cheat to get it. And now in this wrestling with God, he also receives a blessing as well. God has given Jacob in one encounter what he had been searching for for years and years and years and years. This man whose life had been marked by his name, this label given at birth, and marked by the search for this blessing that he wanted. After wrestling with God, he received both. And he didn't have to lie. He didn't have to cheat. He didn't have to hide. He had to put himself in bondage for ridiculous numbers of years. He just needed an encounter with God, and he was given what he so deeply desired the whole time. Verse 30, so Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. My life has been delivered. He found a salvation in that moment, in receiving a new identity, in receiving the blessing and the validation that he has always wanted. Verse 31, the sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Verse 31 gives us a visual image and representation of now Israel's of his life now. There's a light on him now. And he will forever walk and live differently because of his encounter with God. For myself, I talked about living that double life as a child. Some of y'all might relate to this. Uh, one of the things in the house I grew up in was not tolerated was profanity. But my friends at school, that's just how we communicated with each other. So I remember I believe it was at a church event. You know how they had like church league? I think it was like a softball church league thing or whatever. And something happened. And I was with my mom and I was talking to her and a curse word started to, to, to proceed from my lips. Now I caught it halfway. I caught it halfway. I, I, I think I felt the whooping that I was going to receive in the spirit. I think I felt it in the spirit. I think I felt it happening. <laughs> As it was coming out, I was, I was terrified because I, I thought my mom heard it, but I was looking at it. I don't think she noticed it. I don't think she realized what was going on. I felt like my life had been delivered. Amen. And uh, oddly enough, God used that moment in powerful ways in my life. That moment woke me up and caused me to realize I can't do this double life thing. That I need to choose who I'm going to follow, who I'm going to live for. Because ultimately, even, even when I was around the, 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 the church folk, the Christians, I wasn't living for God. I was living for them. Because I needed validation from them so much. I was living for them. I'm around my peers, my friends. I was living for them. I wasn't actually following God. That moment brought me to my knees before God. I remember this. And brought me to a place of saying, God, I want to follow you. I can't, I can't live for everyone else. It's too much. It's too difficult. It's too painful. It's too trying. It's too exhausting. I want to live for you because I want to live for you. Yeah. I chose that day 
And throughout my life, or I chose God that day, and throughout my life since then, God has been helping me to see that he has given me a new label and the blessing that I wanted from others. He showed me that he's given me a label as a son of God, as a new creation, as an heir to the kingdom of God, as more than a conqueror, that I've become the very righteousness of God, the beloved of God, a part of his chosen people, a holy nation, the redeemed of the Lord, and a part of God's treasured people. No longer stained by sin and guilt, no longer finding my identity in my past mistakes, no longer needing to find my blessing from the fickle opinions of people. Because I have received in Christ a blessing that is more rewarding and more fulfilling and more life-changing and lasting than any other blessing that I could receive from anybody else. You know, there's another pronouncement of blessing and identity that comes a bit later in the book. There's a time when there's another son and another father, and the son is in a river, the Jordan River. And he's there, and he's about to begin his, his, his earthly ministry, and God the Father opens up heaven. And the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove, and the Father speaks from heaven, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. He expresses pleasure in his son. He expresses delight in his son. He is publicly proclaiming, this is God the Father making a scene, saying, that's my boy right there. That's my boy right there. And, the, and by extension, for all of us who are in Christ, knowing that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ, as Ephesians chapter 1 tells us, by extension, we know that whether you're a son of God or a daughter of God, God does the same thing with us. He affirms us in the same way. He blesses us in the same way. He validates us in the same way. He looks at you and says, this is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And to trust him in that moment. And to believe him through faith that he says this over us. We're able to find the freedom to not be shackled by the same things that Jacob was shackled by. To not to have to pretend or hide or pretend to be this person or pretend to be like this. Or not to have to try to fit in with this group or fit in with this group knowing that we have been accepted and blessed by God. Free to enjoy the relationship and the identity that God has given us. And that's good news for you and me who have searched for validation and acceptance. Just to know that our God is truly pleased in us and with us. That's good news for anyone that has tried to, to look to relationships or money or the delight of our parents or friends or whoever to try to find validity and that blessing. That's good news for anyone who has tried to shed whatever labels we have been given by ourselves or by others. It's good news for anyone who has ever tried to hide who they really are to try to find validation from others. If you are in Christ, here's part of the blessing that you receive. God the Father, who you can't hide from. God the Father, who you can't deceive. God the Father, who you can't run from, says, I see everything about you. I see all the mistakes. I see all the failures. I see your past. I see your present. I see your future, and I want you. And I value you. And I treasure you for who you are, even if you tried to hide from it, you can't trick him. You can't trick him, which is actually unbelievable. Even, even though sometimes I think we find comfort from being able to deceive others and get them to see us in a certain light, it's actually a tremendous blessing that we can't do that with God because now we know when he accepts us, he accepts us for who we truly are. He accepts us right here, right now. Not, not the version of you that you desire other people to see. 
Not, he, he sees the parts of you you don't even want to show yourself. And he says, you're mine. And I want you. And I sent my son to die and give his life for you and make you mine. You are accepted and treasured in Christ. God feels pleasure in you. If you are in him, you are loved by God, treasured by God, and you are the light in his eyes, just as you are. No matter what label you have received, you are a new creation in him. No matter what, what, whatever labels you have carried are no longer your primary identity because you have been transformed and given a new identity in Christ. Family, my primary encouragement for us in light of all of this, and this is one of the, the things about spending time in God's word that has been the biggest blessing to me. My encouragement will be to seek God in his word, specifically searching for and emphasizing in your mind the new labels that he's given you. Knowing the fact that the label that God gives you, what God says about you to be true, the identity that God gives you supersedes anything else that anyone has ever said about you. Seek them out. Find out what they are. Enjoy them. Remind yourself of them. Celebrate them. Rejoice over them. Sing about them. Remind yourself of them. Knowing that the blessing that he pronounces over you will be with you for all eternity. And the walk as a Christian, the life of the Christian, is going deeper into the new identity that we have, understanding it more, trusting it more, hoping in it more and more, and finding peace and joy in our faith in our Savior. Family, y'all pray with me.